Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. Today's show, we have a special guest that I think is going to be very intriguing to you, the listener, right? First of all, I want you guys, when you get an opportunity to take notes on this episode, and I want that feedback to be formatted in comments on our Facebook group. So at your earliest convenience, I want you to go to bossandcage.com slash FB group. Again, that's bossandcage.com slash FB group. So today's show, we have an individual that's coming from Switzerland. I've deemed him the interpersonal boss. So without further ado, Thomas, tell us a little bit more about who you are. Well, first of all, let me thank you, SA, for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, let me give you a brief introduction. I am um, 53 years old. I refer to it as level 53, which means I made it through all the previous levels, and here I am. And what I do is I get up in the morning and help leaders and organizations get better at what they do on an interpersonal and on a personal level, meaning be more effective with yourself and with others. I've been doing this for around about 20 years now. Before that, I used to fly around the world as a metro de cabine, which means in-flight manager, leading cabin crew. Um, that was a very, very uh, interesting time, very adventurous, but also learned a lot about human beings and what works and what doesn't work. And before that, you know, some colorful period of my career, some job hopping, and I earned my first money cutting people's hair. Nice, nice. So you have a, a diverse plethora of different things you've dibbled and dabbled, and I like the way you said it. 53, it's almost like a video game. You're on level 53, <laughs> and you're moving <laughs> forward. So another thing that I thought that was really cool, like, you know, watching one of your YouTube videos, you, you, you were talking about what gives you goosebumps. So do you want yeah. to talk about that for a little bit? Like, what, what, how do you get goosebumps when, you, when you're dealing with your particular customers? Well, goosebumps is uh, what I get when I'm, you know, with someone in a conversation, maybe already uh, quite a bit into a process, like a one-to-one -one coaching process, for example, and then suddenly it clicks mm. and somebody has, yeah, a, a revelation and that something becomes really clear from one moment to the other. And that opens doors into into different behavior, into different approaches, into doing something differently that really makes a difference in somebody's life. And um, very often it's, <laughs> we start from, from a business context with some leadership topics, communication, conflict management topics, etc., And then the benefit radiates way into private life, you know, and families are affected by managers who improve their communication skills. And, you know, I've had I've had wives of clients sending me emails and saying, you know, I don't know what you really did to my husband, but keep going. You know, things like that. I get I even get goosebumps now that I'm talking about it. 
Nice, nice. So, I mean, like, while, while you're in, 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 in that state of mind, you're getting the goosebumps, right? How would you define yourself if you could only use three to five words? Hmm. You mean describing me as a person? Yeah, just three to five oh, words. Yeah. What would you use? Empathetic. Good listener. Authentic. And sensitive. Interesting. Interesting. So let's just talk about like your journey a little bit, right? Like, are, are you originally from Switzerland? Like, where, where, where were you born and raised? I was born and raised here in Switzerland, but I'm the son of an Italian father and an Austrian mother. So I grew up uh, between my father speaking Italian with me, my mother speaking German with me, and both of them in the background speaking English because they otherwise didn't wouldn't in, uh, understand each other. So I grew up in this multi-language context. That's why uh, I also work in four languages, German, English, French, Italian. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I always, always been here in Switzerland. That always, was always my hub from which I uh, flew out into the world, working globally with uh, people across industries, across cultures. It's a good place to be based in. Yeah, a bit expensive, but otherwise very good. So on this journey, like when did you realize, I mean, obviously you, you talked about a couple different career paths that you've had, forks in the road. Yeah. So when did mm -hmm. you kind of realize that you were going to be in the space that you're in currently? Actually, I never realized this beforehand that I am going to be somewhere it's like Steve Jobs once said in one, one of his uh, commencement speeches, you can, always, you can only connect the dots in retrospect by looking back, you know, understanding you know, the connections and why things happened and what something was good for and beneficial for. But you have to live life forward into the unknown, into the dense fog, yeah? not, not seeing. So that's also why I, in retrospect, realized what the red threat in my biography is, which looks like a little bit of zigzagging, but the red threat is very clear. Even at the time where I cut people's hair as a hairdresser for three years, what I was really doing was listening. I was listening to people's stories and, and having deep conversations. And believe me, as a hairdresser, you get to know stories nobody else does. <laughs> and so that was a red threat. It was always about people. It was always about having meaningful conversations with people that um, have an impact. Yeah. So that would be my answer to your question. So it was always only in retrospect. Hmm. Very nice. So like it, with those experiences, right? I think you've had like positive and probably negative experiences. And it seems kind of like you're not a life coach, but you're helping people with their lives to a certain extent. So what's the worst experience you've had to deal with, with a client that was probably maybe not where they wanted to be and you was helping them get to where they're going to be. The worst you mean? The worst. Mm -hmm. Well, there were many challenging situations. I couldn't really think of a, worst one but in many cases you know it was like really being stuck in a in what looked like a dead end 
and then finding your way out of that. So I have people, you know, being close to, to resigning and saying, I'm done. I'm done with this. I can't take it anymore. And, and yeah. And then ending up staying with the organization. I'm thinking of one particular case and, and then really thriving, but not because they changed position, they changed the company, they changed something in their environment, but because they changed something inside. Mindset, attitude, how you look at things, how you think about things, how you think about, how you think about yourself, things like that. These are levers you can work with, you can adjust, you can regulate, so that by changing how you look at things, your reality changes. Yeah? It doesn't matter what you see. What matters is how you look at it. And that's the personal competence part. You know, when you go to my website, you see a, a circle chart that says that everywhere where people want to achieve something together, leadership, teamwork, customer relations, this interpersonal competence is, of course, a key. The ability to connect, to build rapport, relationship, trust, and also maintain them under difficult conditions. And that the the basis for this interpersonal competence is a well-developed, solid, personal competence, meaning being in a good relationship with yourself first and, and foremost. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So l- let's say, just listening to you, and I can tell that you're very passionate about this subject matter and you're very engulfed and you're really astute in that. Let's say I came to you, right? And what's the first thing that you're going to do? Like, what's your steps and procedures on boarding a new client like myself? Well, first of all, I would ask you, what is it about? What brings you to me? Mm-hmm. And then after I got the understanding, basic understanding of, of your situation and what brought me to, to have a conversation with me, my next question is, what would you like to achieve? So what is your goal? in the topic or the situation that you just described. Then I would explore with you this ideal future, this goal. Like, what would it look like when you got there? How would you recognize that you achieved your goal? And we would explore this very vividly. And then only then we would start talking about, okay, now, that is clear where you want to end up, what would be a first step you could take in that direction? And much of this process is also about awareness. Creating awareness is the first step into any change. You need to know, you need to recognize, because only what we're aware of, we can change, we can control. What we're not aware of often controls us, influences us unknowingly, unconsciously. So that will be an initial thing to do. So I guess you're pulling back from your, from your listening uh, ability. So as a kid, were you always as astute at listening as you are today? Yeah, I would say I was, I was more on the listening end than on the talkative end, hmm. more on the quiet, more on the reserved, observing end, rather than on the initiating stuff end and the proactive extrovert end. I am also, even 
even if it might not come across uh, as, as such, I'm uh, quite an introvert person, mm -hmm. quite a re reserved person. And one definition of extroversion versus introversion is where you charge your batteries. Mm. And as a rather introvert person, I charge my batteries by having alone time, <laughs> going out for long walks in the woods. That's how I recharge. Or after a full day, like today, I had a full day communication workshop with a leadership team of 12 people. Very extrovert behavior for my side, which is a part of me, yeah, but not my main tendency. Mm -hmm. But after a day like this, I need to rest, and I certainly don't invest in, in invite guests coming over for dinner or something like that. And somebody who's more on the extrovert uh, side of the spectrum would charge their batteries by going out, by having party, by inviting people over. So that's one, you know, indication or criteria. Hmm. I think that's, that's one hell of an analogy to, to compare about the way you recharge your batteries is, is by taking that alone time. So in that space, right, you're saying like you have to kind of hit the switch, right? So when you hit the switch, you, you're using up the battery to exert that information and exert that to your listening audience and then to yeah. recharge you kind of go into a quiet place. That, that's definitely interesting. So my next question is like, we always hear about the 20 years that it takes someone to become a, a success story. But the perception is usually an overnight success. How long did it take you to get to where you are currently? Well, 53 years. <laughs> All the 53 years. Because everything that happened in my life, everything I did, everything I didn't do, how I responded to what was happening, all my decisions, every single decision, end of the day, led up to where I am today. So few things went south from that perspective in the moment, for example, that turned out to be uh, jumping boards that brought me forward and were actually lucky strikes in retrospect. One, probably the most uh, impressive example was when I used to work for Swissair, the former Swiss national airline, I was I was really happy. I found like, wow, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And then in 2001, about a month after 9-11, the whole fleet was grounded because the company went out of money, bankrupt, no more liquidity. And it was like a punch in the face. It's almost like, you know, when you're so identified with with your job, with what you're doing. It's not a job, it's a purpose. It's a way of living, right? And then from one day to another, it's over. Hmm. It's, it's, it's like losing a loved one. It's like a, 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 a relationship breaking up. So really, really tough. It was a national disaster. It was in all the newspapers. People were crying, you know, and really, really bad situation. But in retrospect, I must say, if it wasn't for the grounding of Swissair, I don't know if I would be where I am today. I might even be a flight attendant or a matter de cabine in an industry that has massively changed ever since and not necessarily for the better. So you never know what something is good for. Mm -hmm. It may 
look like it's very negative and it's a it's a misfortune um, or even a failure, only to find out one year later, two years, few years later, maybe, wow, that was exactly the right thing to happen because it got me where I am now. So a little bit of trust helps, you know, a little bit of trust and that things will turn out well. And I mean, look at, look at, look at us, everybody who's here, everybody who's listening, Mm -hmm. it's there. Everybody's life is a success story. We've all made it this far. We've all made it up to this point. We, We made it. Ups and downs, of course, but we made it. So there's there is a likelihood that we will also be able to make it in the future, no matter what we will be presented with. Wow. I mean, on the topic of retrospect, right? If you could time travel back in time, is there one thing that you would want to do differently if you could do it all over again? Not a single thing. Not a single thing. If I may rephrase the question slightly. Yeah. What would be the advice I would give to my 20-year-old? If I would be able to meet my 20-year-old myself, uh, the one advice I would give him would be relax. Relax and enjoy. It's all going to turn out well. Relax. I think that would definitely help because with charging the batteries, right? Oh yeah, a lot, <laughs> a lot. And because that's where I am today, you know, I, I one of the major shifts I have, internal shifts I had in my life was the moment I decided to experiment mm. with completely letting go of any attempt to control life, you know, control life and uh, direct my own life and to let go and say, okay, life, let's see what happens if I let you, if I let you do. And I go with the flow rather than going against it. And it, you know, this doesn't mean I completely resign, <laughs> I give up, but it means that I don't um, resist, for example, uh, things that I cannot change or control. You know? Because often we're stuck in resistance uh, against things that, if we just think about it for one minute, we realize that it's nothing I can change. It's nothing I can control. It is what it is. So being in resistance against something like that, like it's raining outside, for example, it's of course a very uh, simple example now, but there's no use. It's a waste of time and energy in uh, resisting or being frustrated or angry about something that is not changeable and to completely let go of that. And focusing only on what you can directly influence and control. Sorry, very, yeah. very, very interesting. It's very, I mean, I would think if anyone would, would take heed to what you're saying, I mean, time traveling and being able to tell yourself to relax would definitely be more beneficial in the long run by far. Because I think we don't learn that until much later in our natural born lives, unfortunately. 
Yes, yes, yes. So, a question for you. Like, you obviously have an entrepreneurial side to you. You have entrepreneurial vision and insight. Does that come from an entrepreneurial background, like a family member or aunt or an uncle? Not at all. Not at all. Au contraire. It's, it's, uh, I, I can't think of anyone in my family that, uh, you know, ran their own business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. My grandparents had, uh, had a hotel. Yes, okay. Mm-hmm. But um, I rather got the message, you know, when I was younger, when I was brought up, I rather got the message, find a safe job. Best find a job in a bank because we're here in Switzerland. It's a financial center, right? So go, go to banking and finance and, and, and you're good. Um, and I would probably never have started my own business had I not been uh, laid off at oh. some point. You know, after the grounding of Swissair, I joined a consulting company because I wanted to do something completely different. Uh, And I started as the assistant to the CEO. And then during the following eight years, I developed into more or less what I'm doing today. Did some further education, training, et cetera, et cetera. And then after eight years, uh, they decided that they want to end the collaboration which again was, uh, it felt like a failure. But again, in retrospect, this was the entry door mm-hmm. into my independence, into starting my own business. So I was like pushed out of my comfort zone and then I had to, which was uh, again, the best thing uh, that could happen to me. Now I see things differently when it comes to being uh, a business owner, you know, running your own business. I personally think that I'm in a much safer position today mm-hmm. of running my own company as, uh, as opposed to being employed. Because if you're employed, you're either on or off. You're on the payroll or you're off. I have a portfolio of clients. If one client decides to work with someone else, fine. I have many other clients. So my risk, so to speak, my entrepreneurial risk is much more diversified. It stands on various pillars. So that's why I don't see it as such a risky thing to be an entrepreneur as for example my father would see it yeah who always wanted to see me in the bank hmm. yeah i mean now that you brought up brought up your dad right i mean like family to a certain extent yeah. as an entrepreneur that's always like a difficult task to juggle so how are you currently managing your work life with your family life Oh well, it's it's it, it takes a conscious decision to invest in enough time and take enough time and also uh, presence. For example, with your children, right? Worst case that can happen is that you're not able to be present in the moment with your full attention but rather like spread all over the place. Meaning, for example, you're on the weekend with your kids, 
but you're you're just physically present in your mind you're you're in last week's meetings or you're already mentally in monday's meeting that you by the way still have to prepare so you're not really there and the key is to really make this conscious decision to be in your role as an entrepreneur or as a manager or whatever your role is to be fully in the role but then also be fully out of the role you know, jobs, jobs where you wear a uniform have an advantage in this regard. So you put on your uniform and now you're the, the, the policeman or you now you're the nurse or the doctor or whatever it is. This helps for this mental step into the role, but then also for the mental step out of the role, right? You take off your uniform, you put it in your locker, you close it, and then you're a private person. This helps. If you're not wearing a uniform for work, it takes a mental step to do it. And it's also a matter of mindfulness. Mindfulness describing this ability to be present fully in the here and now and only in the here and now with what's right in front of you. And if it's your child uh, in front of you, then you're, you're with your child and, and being present. Yeah? I think this is, this is crucial. Wow. So correct me if I'm wrong, but just hearing you speak, and I think that you're a really big believer of state of mind, mindset, um, personal inner philosophies. So with that, I would think that you pretty much have a pretty astute regiment to your daily routines. What does your morning routines, your morning habits look like? Mm, I love the question. Well, I get up usually somewhere between 5 and 6 a.m. So I'm an early bird. And uh, I usually make myself a cup of coffee and then drink the coffee and look out the window. And I try to really just look out the window and just, you know, I have a very nice, yeah, have your coffee. It's a bit late for me here. I'll probably take a beer, have a beer after our conversation. And so I just look out the window and, and just, you know, get a feeling for the day, the weather, you know, what atmosphere do we have today? And then when I'm done with my coffee, I sit. Meaning I sit down, I have a meditation bench. So it's like a kneeling position, not the lotus, uh, you know, that I would break my bones. <laughs> so <laughs> I sit still looking out the window. So, um, and I sit for 15 to 20 minutes. Some would say I meditate, but today I only sit. And let me explain to you why I say this. I've, I began looking into mindfulness, meditation practice, et cetera, in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. So that was, that's like 30 years ago. And over the last 30 years, I experimented with many different techniques, methods. I was always interested in, in, in this. And... It was also, to some extent, an on-off relationship. You know, sometimes I spent half a year not doing anything, and then I took it on again and, and, and got, got into it again. And even though I always thought I, I'm quite good in meditation, it works well, it was only just a few years ago 
where I experienced another shift forward in the depth and quality of my meditation. Mm -hmm. And it's a bit similar, like what I uh, mentioned earlier, the shift was caused by my decision to even let go of the intention to meditate. Mm -hmm. That's why, that's why I say, I don't even meditate, I even let go of this intention to meditate, I just sit which deepens the meditation, the quality of being in the here and now with whatever is, whatever may come up in your mind, whatever emotional movement you experience, you just sit and be, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then I get up, take a shower and start my day. And, you know, this gives me, it puts me in a state of inner calmness, no matter what, the day will be the day. What I'm going to be served by the day and by my daily business and by life and whatever is going to be what is going to be. But how I respond to it is different if I take this time in the morning and start the day in a more conscious way rather than, you know, having a cold start and maybe already being late and being stressed out already. At, at, at 8 p.m. Uh, a.m. So that's my morning routine. Wow. Wow. I mean, with that, I mean, it just sounds like on your life journey, you've had a lot of opportunities to either absorb from coaches or absorb from books. So my next question is a three-part question. What mm. books did you read to help you get to where you are? What books are you reading right now? And they could be audio books and have you had an opportunity to write any books as of yet? Okay, good. So first question, books that helped me a great deal along the way. Uh, number one, probably um, The Power of Now yeah. by Eckhart Tolle. Do you know him? I know of him, yes. Yes, yes. So he's a, a German author that you know, now lives in Vancouver, Canada. And The Power of Now is, is a world bestseller. It, in this book, he basically talks about what I just described, you know, this ability to be mindfully present. He calls it presence. Huh? Um, great book. Highly recommend it. If you want to, you know, dig into mindfulness that's certainly one and another key book for me was by jack cornfield and the title of the book is the wise heart which to some extent is about the same thing about living a mindful life he just takes it from a slightly different perspective cornfield is american he's a psychologist and he spent 10 years in a Thailand forest, Buddhist forest monastery, and uh, was one of the people, one of the Westerners who brought Buddhist philosophy into the Western world. And uh, he's running the Spirit Rock Center in, uh, in California. So I would say these two books are really hmm, two heavyweights that helped me a great deal and that i have also read multiple times yeah nice. currently i'm not reading that much currently because i am 
currently, especially since the pandemic hit us, in a in a very very strong uh, delivery mo- mode and more in the output mode than the input mode, right? And um, I've written a book and co-authored another one. So the book I wrote um, it has the title Breakthrough. Mm-hmm. What you can learn about teamwork, leadership, and customer interaction from cabin crew. Wow. And I use the analogy or the metaphor of cabin crew working in a plane as a threat throughout the book to convey some of the key methods, mindsets, approaches that I uh, have learned to be effective in leadership, in teamwork, in customer uh, relationships. Came out in uh, 2017 in German, Mm-hmm. And then in 2019, the English version uh, came out and it's available on Amazon and uh, all the uh, nice. common bookstores. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look forward to, to adding those to, to our, our Boston Cage book club. And that's the reason why I always ask that question, because everyone's background is so uniquely different. Like, you know, for you to kind of go to, for mindfulness. I would think that it goes to show kind of like where, where you're astute and what you're utilizing in your business today. So I think those books are definitely fruitful books to, to add to that book club. So, I mean, I think you brought up something about Buddhism and, and one of those books philosophy. So time framing, right? Thinking about today versus 20 years from now, like where do you see yourself in the next 20 years? That's a great question. I don't necessarily see myself in terms of a concrete goal that I want to achieve. Never been like that. I never, I was never someone who set a goal and said, okay, this is my goal. Now I'm here. This is the straight line that will get me there. Never worked for me. I was rather always the one step after the after the other and then we'll see where we end up person right more of a trial and error approach Mm. and i'm still in this mode you know even though i'm i I can't say i'm very successful in what i do i'm enjoying it a lot i make a good living with what i do but i never planned to get here Mm. i got here by always making the next step and then take it from there. Mm-hmm. And this is also how I will continue. I am not going about neither my life nor my professional journey in a very strategic or target-oriented way. What I do is I try to be the best possible version of myself any given day and do the next step and see how things shift and change and evolve and then take the next step from there and then take the next step from there. Because I think that's the only thing you can do anyway, oh. right? How can you, you know, this is, I'm not really a, a religious, religious person, but there's a great joke, I think, uh, that says, how, how do you make God laugh? Tell him about your plans. <laughs> him or her (laughs) yeah Yeah, tell them about your plans because yeah make plans if you like 
Sure, go ahead and make plans. It's okay. It's not wrong. But be prepared that things may turn out differently. Yeah. So that's what I meant earlier when I said, yeah, I, I go with the flow. I try to go with the flow. It's a bit like the quality of water, if you like. Go uh, uh, Water flows very consistently always towards the same outcome, right? It's, it ends up in some ocean at some point, right? But how to get there? Today, we would say very agile. <laughs> it's very agile. It's very, okay, there's a tree in the middle. No worries. I flow around it. Yeah. I don't, you know, say, get out of my way. So that's the kind of, you know, nature of, of, of my, my approach and how I go about. That's why, uh, to come back to your answer, where do I see myself in 20 years from now? I hope I will be in an even more relaxed and, and, and calm state, enjoying enjoying every day uh, of my life as long as I can and ideally contributing to other people's lives. Oh. That's, of course, uh, if we can use the term goal, that's my goal, to, to express who I am with my essence, be as authentic as I can, and by doing so, contribute to something bigger. Wow. Yeah. I think you brought up a, a very key key term, and then you use agile, right? So being in the agile state of mind or being lean, you must have systems in place. And part of those systems, my next question is like, what softwares are you using to manage or to remain lean and to stay agile within your workflow? Uh, you literally mean software? Like yeah, literally mean software. Apps? Okay. Yeah. Well, I just use the... Uh the regular, you know, email clients. I'm not going to uh, mention any brands here. Um, I'm using a web-based accounting platform for all my bookkeeping and numbers and invoices, etc. It's like almost fully outsourced and automized, which helps me to really focus on my core, my core business. I uh, have outsourced even the appointments uh, making with my clients to my clients. So they all have a link where they can access my, uh, my calendar. They can book slots directly uh, in my calendar. So this is also uh, something where I use technology to make, it, to make life easier for me. Yeah, that's about it. Nice. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. So going into final words of wisdom, and I, and I think obviously you dropped a lot of different insightful information on in this particular conversation, but going back to like your time travel reference of going back to your 20-year-old self and giving that individual person words of advice. So let's say I'm a 20-year-old person, I'm listening to this podcast, and you're talking to me. What words of wisdom would you give to me for me to continue on my entrepreneurial journey? Mm -hmm. I would say get to know yourself really well. Get to know yourself in terms of know or find out what's really important for you. 
What are your core values? What do you think the world is lacking? That's a pointer. That's, that can be a very important pointer towards your core values and also your talents, right? Because our wishes and our intentions and visions are forerunners or pointers towards our talents, what we're good at. That's, by the way, uh, a quote by uh, Goethe, German, German uh, uh, poet Goethe. So get to know yourself. Get, you know, get to know what makes you unique when it comes to personality traits. You know, there's various personality profiles you can take online. Take a few different ones and then just go. Oh, what does that tell me? Do I recognize myself in what I read here? Okay. Now, if I have this personality trait or characteristics, what does that mean for me in dealing with others? What are my talents? What am I really, really good at and better than others, maybe? And what am I really passionate about? And then what might be good ways of living these talents and contributing to something with these, cha- with these talents? Mm-hmm. You know, many, many, they just look for job opportunities out there. So they're outward focused. Mm-hmm. Where can I find a job? Where do they have an opening, an open position? And then, okay, there is one I'm going to apply. I hope they'll take me. And then you end up in a position. And yeah, maybe it's not really the real thing, but okay, now I got here and now now this is what I do. And I often get people, you know, in their mid-30s, 40s, coming to me saying, hey, I need to talk. I don't know if what I'm doing is really the right thing. So to avoid this, go inwards first. Don't go. Don't necessarily go looking what is possible, but what do I need? What do I want? And how do I how do I see myself in twenty years? But not in terms of precise position or function or activity, but rather, who do I want to be as a person? What quality do I want in my life? Wow. So, being that I've deemed you the interpersonal boss. Like, how can someone find you? I mean, like, what is your, your social media profiles, your, your website address? How can they get in, in contact with you? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, use my name, Thomas Gelmi. By the way, it's Gelmi like gelato because it's mm-hmm. Italian, as I mentioned, right? Um, yeah, you find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. You'll find uh, 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 a very recurrently a regularly updated LinkedIn feed with a lot of, of uh, leadership topics from various also third-party sources. Visit my website. It's thomasjelmy.com. One word. You'll find more information there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Yeah, if you want to find me, you'll find me. And just reach out. Yeah. So I got a couple of bonus questions for you. All right. What is your most significant achievement to date outside of your family? Well, that I was able to uh, build this business and find a way to contribute uh, 
to other people's lives and professional lives and organizations. That was certainly my biggest achievement outside the family. Yeah. Okay. Got another one for you. And this is like one of my favorite questions that I like to ask. And, and I know that the answer from everyone that I ask is going to be uniquely different because your stories are uniquely different. If you could spend 24 hours with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? <laughs> it would probably be, I have three people in mind. Mm -hmm. Can I also say three? Yeah, just to start with the primary and then we'll go to the secondary. All right, all right. I'd love to spend 24 hours with Eckhart Tolle, mm -hmm. with Jack Kornfield, and Barack Obama. Ah. Yeah. And what's your why? Well, the whys for the first two, you know, uh, mentioned the books mm -hmm. and how they had an influence and impact in my life. And Barack Obama, because I just think he's a very impressive personality. I love uh, listening to him and I would really love to get to know him on a more personal note. Mm -hmm. I think he, he, he did a lot of uh, great things. He changed a lot, had a lot of influence. Of course, he's a controversial person, like any person in this position. Of course, you, you like him or you don't like him. Yeah. But that would definitely be someone I would love to spend 24 hours with. Yeah. Wow. So going into closing of the podcast, you know, obviously we had a lot of different topics. We, we, we had conversations that went into different areas. And on this journey, maybe you've had some questions you want to ask me. So I always give whoever I'm interviewing an opportunity to grab the microphone and to ask the host any questions that may have arrived. Yeah, my question to you would be, what is your best hope for the coming years? For you personally, but maybe also in general. So for me, my journey, I, you know, obviously it started back in early 2000, kind of becoming who I am right now, but I really didn't come to the, the dawn of who I am today until I had a stroke in 2018. And that kind of was my awakening moment to create the platform that you and I have in the conversation on right now. So my goal for the future is to grow this platform as large as I possibly can on an international level, which, you know, I'm very thankful that you're all the way in Switzerland and we had an opportunity in two separate sides of the world to collaborate, right? So part of that is me leaving breadcrumbs for entrepreneurs to find their way and also leaving breadcrumbs for my family members to have opportunities to hear my voice once I'm dead and gone. Wonderful. Yeah, that's really beautiful and a wonderful purpose you're, you're following there. So good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. And you're well on your way. It's obvious. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule. And, and I think uh, overseas is like what, probably like eight hours ahead from where we are right now on the East coast. Yeah. So <laughs> you're, you're definitely going into the, the night hours at this point. So I definitely appreciate you coming on the show. I think you gave a lot of value. I want my listeners to kind of definitely, this is the episode that you should rewind and, and take these pieces of these golden nuggets that Thomas has delivered and hold heed to them and take actions on them. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a great pleasure having this inspiring conversation with you. Thanks for all the good questions. Great. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. 
If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.